Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Welcome back to this episode of BFR Radio. Hope you're doing well. Remember, if you have any questions about BFR, please DM me through my social channels, which is at Chris Gavilio on Instagram or Twitter, or alternatively through my website, contact us, or actually it's just me, page, which is sportsrehab.com.au. I've been actually receiving a few messages, so thanks for reaching out, and I'll definitely be incorporating them into the podcast over the coming episodes. If you're looking for some good BFR learning opportunities, I've teamed up with Play, that's P-L-A-E, who actually are known for really top quality sports flooring and actually have teamed with Rogue to do some of their own gym equipment. They actually have an education arm as well, and I've produced an introduction to BFR presentation. This is an hour-long presentation, which has some learning opportunities or learning questions along the way, so you can actually test your understanding of BFR. And the actual goal is to put my full BFR workshop on this online learning platform, so stay tuned for that. I'll put the link to the Play Workshop in the show notes so you can go on and see some of the other great courses that are available to you from some of the top SNC coaches all around the world. And also talking about just general BFR information, I also appear on another podcast with a fellow health specialist. Her name is Zora, and she actually goes by the Instagram handle at HackMyAge. And overall, she interviews lots of fantastic guests looking at ways to, I guess, biohack their own health. This can range from anything from exercise to nutrition to breathing, cold water immersion, and so forth. So a real great collection of guests. I'll also put a link in the show notes for you to listen to this podcast. And as always, if there's a topic of specific interest, please let me know. Last week, I did a Your Questions Answered segment, and this was looking at how to incorporate BFR with an athlete who had a foot fracture of the navicular bone. And it was a really practically based episode, so you can get lots of good ideas on how to incorporate BFR from the acute stage all the way through to the return to full training rehab program. And prior to that, we're in the middle of an upper body series on BFR. And just quickly going over that, the first article looked at BFR bench press using different periodization models. Episode two was on practical BFR bicep curls. What wouldn't upper body BFR be without bicep curls, right? And the third episode moved on to BFR and bone. And in particular, how it could be used for rehabbing bone fractures of the wrist. The outcome in this article was just as effective as high load programs as most BFR articles are. The major point here in particular was the improvement in pain. And also with this article, it was a short-term study intervention. As always, I add my own two cents worth, and I actually thought it would have been really interesting to see a more longitudinal approach to the rehab process, to see these longer-term outcomes. And I really think that's with all types of injuries or training that we do, is that we really need to make it a long-term commitment. And I think that's really one great thing with exercise is that irrespective of whether we're rehabbing with an injury, is that's the beauty of BFR is that we can use those lower loads and have those wonderful benefits associated with the addition of blood flow restriction. So moving on to today's article, 
we're going to look at hand grip strength. And in particular, it's called the effect of hand grip training with venous restriction on brachial artery vasodilation. And this came out of Louisiana State University. It was a 2010 paper and it appeared in the Journal of Medicine, Science, Sports and Exercise. In essence, what I really want you to take away and focus on this paper is the practical outcomes. And that's really about the strength and the muscle hypertrophy in relation to hand grip training. One of the areas they actually focus on is this thing called artery vasodilation and the potential effects of vascular modifications due to BFR use. Now, I don't want to overfocus on this area for this podcast, but I will briefly discuss it in bits and pieces. So really, the take-home message is going to be in that practical component. But for those people who really enjoy the deeper mechanisms and the other side of BFR training, you potentially may find this of interest. In particular, when we look at BFR training, it does focus a lot on those specific metabolic enzymes that result in muscle mass and strength improvements. Finding from researchers in other studies have reported that regional and specific resistance training results in large conduit artery adaptations. Vasodilatory function of large conduit and resistance vessels contribute to the delivery of blood to active skeletal muscle during a time of increasing need such as during exercise. Studies have indicated a strong relationship between vasodilatory function and aerobic capacity in older endurance trained men and older women. If the vasodilatory function is improved or increased, it tends to indicate a greater aerobic capacity. So that is something that we want to be able to see in this study or in other study is the ability for the vasodilatory function to improve or to increase. Now, if you wanted to know a little bit more here, vasoactivity of large conduit and resistance vessels is partially facilitated through the endothelium, which responds to changes in wall shear stress by releasing vasoactive substances such as nitric oxide to cause smooth muscle relaxation. Now, if you're wondering what the endothelium is and does, it's actually a single layer of elongated cells lining all blood vessels. It is an organ that has important endocrine, autocrine, and paracrine effects, which is essentially responsible for several regulatory and anti-atherosclerotic functions, as well as maintaining vasodilation. I've mentioned vasoregulation a little bit, and now this is essentially a balancing act between endothelium-derived relaxing factors and contracting factors. And these are released in response to different stimuli, and in particular, mechanical stimuli or shear stress, metabolic conditions such as hypoxia created by the BFR cuffs, and different receptor-mediated agonists. And what do receptor agonists do? This is where molecules that bind to specific receptors cause a process in the cell to become more active. And an agonist is something that causes a specific physiological response in the cell. Now going back to the paper, given the evidence that vascular function is linked to muscular strength, the authors anticipated that the muscular benefits with BFR training would extend to the vasculature as well. In particular, brachial artery flow media dilation was used to highlight the brachial artery reactivity, and this was defined as a percent change in vessel diameter from rest to peak diameter post forearm occlusion. Essentially what they were trying to hope to find here is that if there is a positive increase in this mediated dilation, that it potentially would be linked to an increase in muscular strength. 
and more so when they look at previous literature, once again, that it's actually linked to aerobic capacity, but trying to find that link to muscular strength. Or in other words, they're just using this as a marker to see if the type of stimulus that they've provided is a good marker to use. Therefore, the purpose of the present study was to examine the effects of four weeks of hand grip exercise training combined with or without restricted venous blood flow on hand grip strength and brachial artery dimensions and vasodilation. They hypothesized that hand grip exercise training with venous restriction or BFR training would result in superior strength gains and vasoreactivity compared to the non-restricted arm. In this study, they used 12 participants with a mean age of 22 years. Hand grip strength was assessed using a hydraulic hand dynamometer where the subjects were asked to perform a maximum voluntary contraction standing with the dynamometer at one side, and they gripped it as hard as they could for three seconds. The average of the three trials for each hand was considered to be the maximum voluntary hand grip strength. To assess the changes in the size of the muscle, forearm circumference was taken 10 centimeters distal to the midpoint between the lateral epicondyle and olecranian process. And these tests were performed before and following the final week of training. In other words, at week zero and after four weeks of training. Looking at the exercise protocol, really simple. It involved gripping a hydraulic hand dynamometer and they contracted the forearms at a rate of 15 times per minute. That is one contraction every four seconds where they used a metronome to keep pace. And they also used a resistance of 60% of their maximum voluntary contraction that they got when they did their initial test. The subjects were asked to train for 20 minutes, three times a week for four weeks. Here the subjects trained both hands at the same time where on one of the limbs they used the BFR cuff and this was placed on the upper arm and on the other arm they obviously had no cuff and this was totally random. The pressure they used was 80 mils of mercury and this was thought to ensure venous occlusion. In particular, the current study examined venous restriction of the forearms where they actually trialed an application of 100 mils of mercury and this caused discomfort and exercise intolerance during the hand grip training. Therefore, the occlusion pressure of 80 mils of mercury was found to be tolerable and sufficient and therefore used. During the 20 minutes of training, the subjects were actually allowed to take one minute rest periods after the completion of a minimum of five minutes of training. Therefore, my interpretation of the protocol was that they trained for five minutes on and then one minute off for a total of 20 minutes per session, or they could go for as long as they could tolerate training during that 20 minute period. And overall, they did 12 training sessions for the study intervention. As a note here, prior to the start of the training intervention, there were no significant strength or circumference differences between the arms. If we refer to the results, did they get stronger and did the forearms get any bigger? If we firstly look at hand grip strength, the training intervention result in a significant increase in both groups with an 8.3% increase in the control non-BFR group and a 16.2% increase in the BFR group. With respect to forearm circumference, a significant increase was also shown for both groups with a 1.6% increase in the control non-BFR group and a greater increase of 2.4% for the BFR group. And there was no gender differences between males and females. This is really a great result here where they showed a 50% greater improvement in hand grip strength in the BFR group 
compared to the controlled and almost an identical 50% improvement in forearm circumference as well for this BFR group. Although not studied, the authors mentioned in the discussion that based upon BFR literature, that the mechanisms which could have contributed to this increase in strength may be due to the consequence of upregulation in specific growth factors such as insulin growth factor, specific metabolic enzymes such as creatine phosphokinase, and the result of hormonal changes such as increase in growth hormone and or a preferential re recruitment of larger fast motor units. It was really interesting that there was a 50% greater improvement in hand grip strength in the BFR group compared to the control non-BFR group. I would have actually thought that any hormonal benefits would be systemic. However, the results in this study highlight if we really want to amplify the response of our training stimulus, we should be looking towards wearing the BFR cup on that limb or close to the area of focus as possible. And also another point to note was that the loadings were at 60% of maximum voluntary contraction, which sits above that typical 20 to 30% used within most BFR literature. And I actually find that with the athletes that I work with, that we tend to need to push the greater percentage of RM loadings above that 30%. And I use that quite regularly with a lot of athletes that I train. Now, I didn't really want to go too deeply into the brachial artery flow mediated dilation results, but I thought it was worthwhile mentioning it. The control non-BFR group, it actually showed an increase of 24%. Whereas in the BFR arm, it actually decreased by 30%. And this was a really interesting result as stated by the authors. Typically improvements in the brachial artery flow mediated dilation with exercise training is actually believed to be secondary to the changes in shear stress induced by muscular contractions during exercise. In the BFR group, the reduction was apparent in 9 out of the 12 arms and this actually appeared to be greatest in those who had the highest pre-training values of brachial artery flow media dilation, suggesting that these individuals suffered to a greater extent than those who had lower vascular function prior to training. In other words, that they found it really tough. Therefore, the authors stated that a potential elevation in oxidative stress within the BFR arm may have occurred. What is oxidative stress? This is where during exercise, cells continuously produce these things called free radicals and reactive oxygen species as part of the metabolic processes. Now, these free radicals are neutralized by an elaborate antioxidant defense system, and exercise can produce an imbalance between reactive oxygen species and antioxidants, which is referred to as oxidative stress. Alternatively, a different explanation for the decline in brachial artery flow media dilation observed in the BFRM stems from the hypothesis that regular exposure to exercise-induced increases in endothelial shear stress is actually a primary signaling process for a positive expression of endothelial function. Although from a global perspective, a reduction in brachial arterial flow media dilation may be deemed negative, but in this occasion, it may be a marker of appropriate stress for ongoing positive activation and or adaptation. Although we may hear these results and say, geez, that was actually something negative, results that we see in studies seem to sometimes be really specific to those 
populations or the subjects that they use within it. So I thought I'd dig a little bit deeper and actually have a look at another BFR hand grip study. When we look at the study in a little bit more detail, it was actually a four-week intervention and it was performed three times a week. So very similar here. The protocol differed slightly in that the hand grip training was performed at a lower percentage that was at 40% of 1RM. Each training session involved three sets of hand grip exercises at a frequency of 20 contractions per minute. So that's one contraction every three seconds compared to one contraction every four seconds. And it was actually three sets performed to volitional fatigue, each separated by one minute rest. So the total amount of work was potentially a little bit less than that 20 minute training protocol in this original study. When we look at the results of this second study, forearm one arm strength increased significantly in both groups. So they had BFR on one arm where they performed that first and then volume matched the training in the non-BFR arm. However, there was an additional two weeks of detraining that they added onto the end of this study. So they did their initial four weeks of training, showed that forearm one arm strength increased and then they did two weeks of detraining. And this actually resulted in a slight decrease in strength, but it was actually higher than the pre-training values, whereas 4M circumference did not change. So we actually see that overall that using a slightly lower percentage of RM was still able to elicit a positive increase in strength in forearm, perhaps wasn't enough stimulus to change the forearm circumference. And the other interesting point here, which differed to this first study that I've been talking about, is that brachial artery function did not change at any time point. And in particular, that if there was any changes, that it actually returned to baseline after two weeks of detraining. And once again, the second study highlights that protocol is an important component of BFR training, but really it's an important component of all training in general. So if we refer to the first study's protocol, it was 20 minutes of training at 60% of maximum voluntary contraction compared to three sets to fatigue at 40% of RM. The take-home message here is that the inclusion of BFR to hand grip training can yield an improvement in strength and hypertrophy results when the appropriate training stimulus is applied. Now, if we wanna take this type of training out of the lab and into our home setting, well, if you have your BFR cuffs on, find some sort of squeeze or stress ball or a foam ball, and you could actually be starting off with 10 minutes of squeezing using a similar frequency. So that could be one contraction every four seconds using that three times a week and then increasing the total amount of time that we're training every week. Other simple things that you can be doing is you could be grabbing a towel and then pretending that you're wringing water out. You could actually wet the towel if you wanted a greater stimulus. And then other things such as rice plowing, that would be really interesting. If you don't know what that is, it's where you get a bucket of rice and you put your hand into the rice and you do different exercises with your hands and your fingers. If you YouTube that, you'll find out what that is. And then if you're heading more into that gymnasium setting, you could actually be using towels or fat grips to increase the grip diameter, which is much more challenging on the forearms, or alternatively using a wrist roller where you could be using the end of a bar and a rope attached to a plate of some sort. 
So there's lots of ways that you could actually be incorporating risk training into your own strength programs. As I mentioned, is if you at home, you could be using a stress ball, or if you're in the gym, changing or increasing the diameter of the grips that you're actually training with. I think this has implications across all spectrum of ages and population types. Now, if we look at general population, improvements or maintenance in hand grip strength has important lifestyle implications, especially in the aging populations. And also when we start to think about people who may have spinal cord injuries still with upper body function, it could be a really simple way of improving functional tests. And I actually did review an article where they used BFR and upper body training And it did actually assist with simple upper body function tests. And for the athletic population, we could imagine that improved hand grip strength has performance implications where grip is important. And so for me, sports that come to mind are climbers, wrestlers, and martial arts sports where grappling is really important, weightlifters, and even in contact tackling sports such as rugby. And this serves as a really good segue for my next episode where it'll actually be the last in the mini-series on BFR upper body well, for this section. And it's actually going to look at how you can use BFR in upper body training to help athletes where improved grip or grappling ability is really important. So I think this really brings this nicely together that it's nice to see how we can use BFR in isolated circumstances or exercises, but what happens when we start to put it together in a much more applied training setting? Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. And if you do know of someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it. I really do appreciate all your interactions. And if you haven't got your own set of BFR cuffs, please visit my website, which is sportsrehab.com.au. And I can also help you with your own training. So once again, contact me through my website or my socials. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd appreciate if you give it a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening. See you next episode. And remember to keep the pump.